Mikel Arteta's Arsenal end the Goodison Park hoodoo. A massive three points for the Gunners on the road, coming back off the international break with a bang. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football family. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. Uh, apologies for the slightly late start on the stream. Zaki says he streams when he wants. He streams when he wants. <laughs> Love that. Um, Temi says Chronicles of a late Guna. I know, I know, I know. Um, I scheduled, scheduled the stream um, for just after seven o'clock. I know we're about, what, 10 minutes late, which is terrible on my part. I do apologize, but I promise you the podcast will be worthwhile uh, listening to. It was worth the wait. I promise you. Well, I guess you guys can be the judge of that a little bit later on. Once you've heard it, then you can decide if you thought it was good enough and <laughs> worth an extra five minutes of your time. Um, look, what a win that is. Huge, huge win for Arsenal. You, you, you can't deny that. You know, I think... It was a ground that there was a lot of talk about us going to in the build-up because of the Goodison Park hoodoo, if you want to call it that. Arsenal hadn't won at Goodison Park for the best part of six years. We go there, difficult, difficult game, um, difficult circumstances. I, I, I did wonder going into the game if Everton were going to be lifted by the fact that Farhad Mashiri's agreed to sell the club, what kind of impact that would have on the atmosphere, the mood around the place. I actually think that it was probably still a little bit flat because, well, the new ownership that are coming in are, are probably worse uh, in terms of their track record. So uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But going there, I anticipated it to be a really tough trip. Raucous atmosphere, Sunday 4.30 game, um, TV cameras there. You know, often you see less fancied sides put on a show under those kind of circumstances. Always difficult to know what kind of shape your team is in off the back of an international break as well. Players arriving back in some cases as late as Thursday morning, um, which is not ideal for Mikel Arteta in terms of preparation for this game. And it's why you can never predict the team either, you know, going into these types of fixtures. You don't know the condition in which everybody's come back. You don't know who's ready, who's not, who needs a bit more time, um, who's trained well, who has and all the rest of it. So it's really, really difficult, I think, for managers as well. And, and it's often why you see shocks happen off the back of international breaks. Look, we're going to break this one down in full on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. A uh, big thank you to everybody for being with us at the moment. If you wouldn't mind, uh, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel as we uh, get closer and closer we're slowly crawling there, but we're on our way towards 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. That doesn't include all the lovely people that listen to us on the audio platforms as well. So um, really, really keen to hit that milestone because what that will tell us about our overall subscribership is is incredible. So, um, yeah, please do that if you haven't done so already. Also, leave a like on this video because that really, really does help as well. As you can see, I didn't go to Goodison Park. I'm here. I'm at home. Um I actually quite enjoyed sitting and watching a game from home. Um, haven't done it in a long time. Um, you know, just kind of sitting around um, all day, building up to it. The problem is that when you're not busy in the day leading up to it, you start overthinking it. And I certainly did that um, in the build up to this afternoon's game. I was chopping and changing in my head around what the lineup should be. Not that my opinion matters. Um, 
we started to see rumors and murmurs, didn't we, that David Raya was starting around about an hour or so before the team was announced in credit to those uh, on Twitter that were were pushing that and, and were sort of reporting that. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of the team, I think that was a big talking point when that was announced, when that was released, because, you know, I wondered if David Raya would get an opportunity after I saw his Instagram post in which it looked like he was playing, you know, why would he post that kind of image? I think he put like, come on Arsenal or let's go or something as well, which kind of suggested that he was in line to start for the first time in Arsenal colours. Um, so that was a big decision on, on Mikel Arteta's part. We'll talk about that decision in a minute. We'll also talk about the decision to take Kai Havertz out of the side and put Fabio Vieira in as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, overarching feeling is big three points because it doesn't matter what you say about how we played. And I know that there are people in the chat that will will say that they were not happy um, with the performance overall. Paul James says, only good thing about this performance was that we won. Lots of possession, but really low on entertainment. Trossard's goal was technically superb, but it was a really unentertaining game. We'll get on to the performance and, and we'll talk a little bit about that, um, of course, uh, throughout this show. So make sure you're throwing in questions throughout. We'll be as interactive as we possibly can on this one. Um, who was it that said, uh, here we go, Junior says, well, we'd be getting uh, added extra time as well for me being late. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm not in a rush tonight. Uh, let's do it. Let's make it a bumper episode and we'll pl take plenty of your thoughts and questions a little bit later on. But the point I was going to make is, I remember being in the room when Arteta was interviewed after Manchester United. And I remember one of the questions being put to him was, do you feel like you need to win every single game because you're in a title or you want to be in a title race with Manchester City? Is that what Manchester City do to you? Is that the effect that they have on you? Which, of course, they do. They're a superb, superb side, right? We all know how good they are. We all know what they're capable of. And we all know, as we saw last season, that when it matters, they can go on incredible winning runs. And so even at this stage in the season, when you're five games in, you feel like you can ill afford to drop any points. And you feel as though you can't afford to give them any ground. Now, that is a lot of pressure to carry around with you every single week. You know, football isn't as clear cut as some people want to believe. Football isn't as straightforward as some people want to believe. There is a lot of facets to every fixture. There are a lot of things that can go right and there are a lot of things that can go wrong. The last thing you need is to create another factor that you have to manage, and that is the pressure. Mikel Arteta said in response to that question, yeah, of course you want to pick up the points and of course you need to stay within touching distance of them. But at the same time, you can't afford to carry that baggage and that weight around with you. You cannot afford every week to go into every football match worried concerned and stressed about what Manchester City are doing. But as fans, we're going to feel it. And Mikel Arteta will do everything within his power to keep that pressure away from his players, to manage that within the dressing room. But for us, you know, as fans, we're going to feel it and we're going to go through the ringer when it comes to that. And that's why you look at games like Everton away. And, and I don't care what people say about Everton as a football club at the moment and as a team. And, you know, it's clear they lack quality, all of the rest of it. The fact that we hadn't won there in six years tells you that Goodison Park is a difficult place to go. And so regardless of their current form, you you can't discount that. You know, that in years gone by, had we gone to Goodison Park and left with a point, 
I'd have been not satisfied because we're Arsenal Football Club and you always want to win and you always want to take maximum points and you always want to aspire to be the best that you can. But there are times in the past where I'd have looked at Goodison Park and gone, eh, if we get a point there, I'll take it. Now, obviously less so because A, we've improved our level dramatically and B, their level has decreased. But still, to go from that to now thinking, oh my God, we have to win at Goodison Park, it's quite a, a big change, isn't it? And it just shows you how far we've come in terms of mentality and in terms of, from our part, as fans, expectation. The expectation is there now. And to be honest, the way we started the game, I thought, you know, we were brilliant. And I thought we took the game to them. And I thought we really made a good effort to kind of make sure that we silenced the crowd early on, make sure that we showed our superiority, that we tried to, as I always say, really sort of capitalise on their insecurities and their lack of confidence, having not picked up a win in the Premier League yet this season. I really thought we did a good job of imposing our game and imposing ourselves. Obviously, the goal didn't come. We thought we had the goal um, on around about, what, 22, 23 minutes. Um, obviously, the goal was chalked off, and we'll get onto that in a bit as well. But I think, for me, yes, the performance wasn't our best performance. It was good enough to win the game. We deserve to win the game. The statistics and and all the numbers and all the rest of it tell us that. But this was a mental victory for me in that, you know, you have that goal chalked off. That can have an impact sometimes, can't it? Um, but, you know, when you go on and and dominate the game in the way that we did, 74% possession, 13 efforts at goal, not as many as you'd expect, really, for 74% possession. Only four of those were on target, but 11 corners uh, to Everton's one. Yeah, we should have created more chances, but in terms of having the ball and being in control of, of the fixture, I thought, you know, we certainly done enough to win that. Let's go back to the team selection. Mikel Arteta, I think, surprised a few people with with some of these selections. I've talked about the Raya thing. Um, and, and it's not the decision, really, that surprised me around this. It was more to do with the reaction of some. Um, so if I just share my screen with you guys so you can see the team that Mikel Arteta picked. So this was the side that he started with. He went with... Aaron Ramsdale in goal. He went with the back four that we expected of White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. Uh, the midfield was Rice, Vieira and Odegaard with Martinelli from the left, Saka from the right and Eddie Nketiah through the middle. The two talking points are obviously A, the goalkeeper and B, Fabio Vieira's inclusion over Kai Havertz. Let's do those uh, bits then, because as I say, they are uh, important. Let's talk about them. Um, the reason I'm taking the numbers away, by the way, on the screen for those of you that are watching is because we're going to do something a little bit different at the end of this show. Uh, we don't normally do this on our uh, post-match podcast, but we're going to do it on this one. I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but I'll tell you a bit later. But starting with, oh, I've still got Ramsdale in goal. Look at that. <laughs> did I even, did I actually say Ramsdale as well when I was running through the team? That's terrible. Uh, David Raya, I'm just talking about him 30 seconds ago. So look, the decision to include David Raya was... One that I think surprised people. Um, I think, as I said, you know, there were leaks of that information a little bit earlier on in the day. There were hints based on sort of Raya's social media activity and all the rest of it. But it's still a pretty big call to take out your number one goalkeeper and bring in a goalkeeper that hasn't featured for you yet. It's a big call, you know, a really, really big call. But I was a little bit surprised and actually a little bit taken back by some people's reaction to that call online, which I thought was a little bit strange. Ever since word emerged that Arsenal were bringing in David Raya, um, people talked about what this would mean for Aaron Ramsdale and whether 
this would kill Aaron Ramsdale's confidence or have the opposite effect in terms of pushing Aaron Ramsdale to raise his level and increasing the overall level of quality within the group, which can only be really a good thing. Mikel Arteta, when pushed on this post the announcement of David Raya signing, because of course Mikel Arteta doesn't talk about other people's players until they're in the door at Arsenal, he repeatedly spoke of how important it is for us to have good quality options, how important it is for us to be able to have depth. We've got a lot of games this season. You know, we're back in the Champions League, which is obviously um, amazing. You know, we, we're going to have to manage that competition along with the Premier League. And we've talked repeatedly about how the Champions League is not a competition in which you can always make wholesale changes and get away with it. I think we're somewhat fortunate in that our group probably allows us to be... Uh, I don't know what the right word is here, but it, we're in a group where we're strong favourites. Therefore, I think there will be opportunities, maybe not from the beginning, but at some point in the group to kind of chop and change a little bit and to manage the squad a little bit if we need to. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, look, that's obviously a positive. But, you know, you need that depth to be able to do exactly that. And David Raya coming in meant that we now had a goalkeeper who was as good if not better in some people's opinions, than Aaron Ramsdale, who was of a similar profile in terms of his comfort of or, or his his willingness or being comfortable, essentially, with the idea of playing like a bit of a sweeper keeper at times, playing the ball out with his feet, etc., etc. This felt like a good addition. Arteta all along has said that there is no number one at Arsenal at this moment in time. All we have are two top goalkeepers who are going to fight and who are going to compete for that position. And everybody said, great, that's how it should be. Competition, that's what we want at the football club. That's what it's all about. Only the minute that Mikel Arteta decides to use an alternative option, there were people online that were up in arms about it. Oh, this is a disgrace. How embarrassing is that for Aaron Ramsdale, et cetera, et cetera. It's not embarrassing at all because Mikel Arteta has made the point all along that we need a squad. We now have a squad, a squad that we can chop and change. Raya came in today and I didn't feel uncomfortable with that. Would I have felt the same if it was Matt Turner? With all due respect to him, no. Because I know that Matt Turner would have been required to do things that I don't think come naturally to him. That's why David Raya is a better fit. And maybe somewhere down the line, David Raya will establish himself as the clear number one at Arsenal Football Club. But at this moment in time, we've got competition healthy competition. And people often question what this will do to Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale is one of the soundest characters you'll find in football. He's brilliant, mentally so resilient. He's been through some awful things in his career, relegation after relegation. And he still bounced back and he's come back stronger. This is not going to kill Aaron Ramsdale. This is going to make Aaron Ramsdale stronger. Now, traditionalists, football traditionalists, don't agree with the idea of changing your goalkeeper. In their eyes, it's you should have one one number one and that's it. But football's an ever-evolving game. And I think we got, I read it somewhere earlier, It's we got so many games coming up. Let me just bring up the fixtures um, on my phone to kind of highlight exactly what I'm talking about. Hold on a second, this app. But every time you open the Arsenal app, they try to sell you something, don't they? But look, we got PSV at home on Wednesday. Then on Sunday, we've got the North London derby. Then the following Wednesday, we go away to Brentford in the Carabao Cup following weekend we take on Bournemouth and then on the Tuesday we go away to Lens 
Then on the Sunday, we play Manchester City. Then we play Chelsea away. Uh, the uh, Well, there's an international break in between that. But there are so many games to come. The schedule is relentless. We need depth and we need the ability to chop and change it. And it's no good bringing David Raya in cold in a Champions League game. You know, it, it like... Today was an okay day to give him a go. He didn't really have to do much. I think Arteta probably anticipated that as well. And into the team he comes, and I thought he did well. As for the midfield change, taking out Kai Havertz to bring in Fabio Vieira, from what I could see online, people have been slating Kai Havertz over the past few weeks. So what does Mikel Arteta do? He looks at the guy who's been in form in Fabio Vieira, the guy who's come off the bench and impacted two consecutive fixtures, And he says, you've been knocking on the door. I'm going to reward you and I'm going to give you your start. Now, when he made that decision and when I saw the team come out, I must admit, although I was okay with it in terms of the merit of it, you know, you know, the whole, if you're playing well, you deserve a place in the team. And and I always talk about the need for there to be a meritocracy at Arsenal. Whilst I'm in favour of that, I did say to you guys in my preview podcast that my concern and worry about the idea of playing Fabio Vieira was that he'd be dominated physically. Idrissa Gay, Onana and Decore in midfield is a really, if nothing else, powerful physical midfield. And I wondered if we were asking too much of Declan Rice by putting him in there alongside Vieira and Odegaard. What I said to you guys was that if you do play Vieira, and I, I remember this part of the preview show, you need to make sure that Zinchenko is on hand to go inside as frequently as possible and protect, not protect Declan Rice, that's the wrong word because he doesn't need protection, does he? He's an absolute monster. But to go in and support Declan Rice so that we wouldn't get overrun and we wouldn't get killed in that midfield. And that's what we did. Mikel Arteta banked on us having loads and loads of possession and he was absolutely right with that because, as I say, we had 74% of the ball. And he opted to prioritise someone with the ability on the ball to get into those pockets of space, someone who's proven in the last few weeks that he can really impact games in terms of goals and assists and all the rest of it. Um, you know, and and that's that's what you wanted. So that's what Mikel went for. That's what we did. And it worked today. I think Fabio Vieira started the game not quite at 100%. I think he was missing at times at the beginning of the game. And, and I remember sort of watching the first 15 minutes and thinking you haven't had any more impact really than Kai Havertz would have up until this point. But as the game went on, he got more and more involved. Didn't always make the right decisions today, I didn't think. Might have had a goal, had a couple of sort of half chances. There was one blocked in the second half where he opted to take the shot first time. And I just wondered if he just put on his foot on the ball and let the oncoming defender sort of slide past him, if he might have created that little bit of space to get the shot off unchallenged. Um, but overall, you know, he, he had a decent enough game. He had to go out on the left-hand side uh, once Martinelli went off. Trossard came on, but the two were clearly interchanging in terms of their positions. And actually, you know, when you think about it, by the end of the game, he probably had as much, if not more, involvement than Kai Havertz would have had from that position. Therefore, there's no reason to pick apart that decision, in my opinion. The rest of the team was as expected. The other argument you could make or case you could make was for Gabriel Jesus to start up front. But I think judging by how long Mikel Arteta left it to turn to him, I I think there is clearly still some concern about his fitness. You know, he's come back from another knee surgery and I think Arsenal were worried about that. I think Arsenal were concerned about maybe giving him too much to do 
and him potentially breaking down again. He's such a key, key player for this Arsenal side. Whilst Inketi is playing well enough, what's the need to rush him back and risk doing further damage? For what it's worth, I didn't think Inketi was as involved as he could have been today. Um, partly because I thought Everton did a good job on him at certain points, but we'll get onto that a little bit later on when we break down some individual performances. Obviously, we we managed to cut Everton apart for what we thought was the opening goal, and it was ruled offside. Now, there was a lot of confusion online as to why that goal had been chalked off. Initially, I was confused myself. Um, I was always under the impression that if it was played by the defender, that Eddie Nketiah couldn't have been in an offside position because the, the ball came off of the defender. Obviously, the rule is if the defender plays it, it's not necessarily about a deflection. Um, and obviously, because Beto went and closed down Gabriel and sort of stuck out a leg, in my book, he'd played it. But once we sort of heard the explanation at half time from the PGMOL, I was actually OK with the decision. Um, I know it's easy to say this because we won the game and people will say I'm only saying this because of that reason. But I actually don't think I'd have complained about that decision too much had um, had we not won the game because I can understand the logic and how they've got to that decision. And this is where it all comes back to that point of transparency. If you can hear that VAR conversation and you know the exact reason as to why that goal has been chalked off, whether you agree or disagree, They've shown you their workings out, if you like. They've shown you the sum that has got them to the result um, that they have. And I'm I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm going to agree with every decision if they do that, because that would be a lie. But I'm certainly going to be more tolerant of those types of decision when I can understand the reasoning behind it. People have complained about the camera angle from which they established that Eddie Nketiah was offside. Listen, those are the camera angles that we got. The lines are calibrated. We had this discussion over after the Man United game. The lines are the lines. That's what we use. That's what we've always used. It's what we will continue to use for now. So let's stop questioning the lines all the time. You didn't need the lines to see that Nketiah was offside at that point. But the question was, did Beto deliberately play the ball? I think he deliberately tried to block the pass. Yes, I don't think he deliberately wanted the ball to go in that direction. And that's obviously how they've decided that it isn't a deliberate thing, blah, 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 whatever. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's move on from that. Um, but then after that, I thought we went a bit flat in the first half. And I don't think we created as much as we could have. You know, when we started the game, the first sort of five to 15 minutes, I thought we were really sharp. Our passing had zip and tempo about it. Once Martinelli went off, you felt like we lost a lot of our threat in behind, that Everton had gone, well, you know, let's just sink that little bit deeper. You know, they're probably a little bit deflated at the fact that they've had the goal chalked off. If we can just sit back and soak up, then maybe, you know, we can we can hang, hang on and maybe we can ride this out and maybe we can create some situations on the transition to hurt Arsenal. We got to half time, and I have to say I was quite frustrated at that point. I, I didn't feel like the goal was coming from anywhere at that point between Martinelli going off and Trossard coming on. I didn't think Trossard had any impact on the game. I was frustrated with how little Eddie Nketiah was getting on the ball. I didn't think Bukayo Saka was at his best. I thought he, he should have had Mikolenko on toast, and he didn't. Um, you know, it, it just felt that the pace had really, really dropped. And again... You know, I, I don't know what I would put that down to necessarily, but it's the kind of display that you get after an international break, really. Um, second half starts and you think, great, 
you know, again, that zip and that tempo is there and the pace is there and, and the sharpness is back. Create a couple of chances, don't take them. And then the game starts to fade into that rhythm again, the type of rhythm that Everton want, which is slow, um, breaking play up all the time, you know, just, just making it a non-event really. And eventually our quality told um, on, was it 69 minutes? I think it was. Uh, yep, 69 minutes when Leandro Trossard stepped up and scored a brilliant goal after a fantastically well-worked corner from Arsenal. Um, let's break that corner down a little bit. Gary Neville was talking about it. Um, and he said that, um, or he highlighted or he pointed out actually, how long Arsenal took over that corner. He was talking about the fact that it took him 26 seconds actually from placing the ball down for it to end up uh, for them to take it. And I was just speaking about this on another stream that I was doing sort of as soon as the, the final whistle went. I once played for a coach who and, and I played at a, a good level. I know everybody says that, but I, I really did um, between the age of like probably 14 and 18. Um, and then I discovered going out, as you can see. And uh, yeah, I am what I am now, which isn't someone who can run up and down a football pitch anymore. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But I played for a really, really good coach who, whenever I used to take a set piece, because I used to take free kicks, always used to say to me, and, and penalties too, and he used, the, the same used to apply. A really good thing to do is to delay taking it. You got to be headstrong to do this though, because you can't afford to let any doubt creep into your mind. You need to make your mind up what you're going to do with it and then be set on that. Don't change your mind for anything or anyone. And then you need to delay taking it. And the reason you should delay taking it is because the longer the defensive side have to think about what it is you're going to do, the more time there is for doubt with regards to how they're going to deal with it to creep into their mind. And with doubt comes hesitation. With hesitation comes a lack of response, to a, a slightly longer response time, which means that you hesitate. And when you hesitate, you can allow someone the, the half a second that they need to nip it in front of you. And in the Premier League, when we're talking about fine margins, that can be the difference. Arsenal took 26 seconds to take that corner deliberately. The Everton crowd were starting to get on their backs. You know, why is it taking so long, et cetera, et cetera. That's a distraction for those defenders who didn't anticipate the short corner. And because of that lack of anticipation, it took them that split second to get out. Arsenal had the extra man there. Arsenal created the spaces. Arsenal used their quality, got into a great position. And when the ball was cut back to Leandro Trossard, he finished it devastatingly well. That's what you can cause and create with that little bit of hesitation sometimes. And that little bit of a delay. As long as you're clear in your mind what you're going to do, you know, you can really sort of catch someone out that way. And, and we're talking about a, a split seconds hesitation, making a lot of difference at this high level of elite sport. And that's, that's the thinking behind it. And you could see that that was the thinking behind it, because once that ball came off the post and went into the back of the net, Mikel Arteta's first response was to celebrate with his staff. Why? Because they've worked on that. That is something that has been done on the training ground. That is something that's been put together and, as a coach, there's probably nothing more satisfying than walking away from a game knowing you won it because of something that you developed and that you had been working on with your players in the week. It means they're taking in what you're saying. It means they're working on, um, you know, the principles that you're trying to instill. And that is the biggest compliment to a coach. 
when you see something materialize on the pitch in front of you um, directly off the training ground. Brilliant, brilliant goal. Credit to Trossard as well. Very easy to miss that chance. Very easy to slice that wide. Very easy to miscue the finish. He doesn't try and lash at it. He doesn't try and put his laces through it. He recognises where he is in relation to the goal. He recognises that he's got that far post area to aim at. And all he's focused on is putting it as far in that corner as he possibly can. It was so far in the corner that it was pretty much the post, um, which made it impossible for Jordan Pickford to get across to. So, um, yeah, really, really good goal. And after that, you have to say, I thought we defended really well. I don't think at any point I feared um, Everton coming back into the game. There wasn't even a sustained period of pressure from them at that point. We managed the game really, really well. And um, and that was great to see. I've talked about the significant of the significance of the points because of the fact that we're trying to keep up with Manchester City. But also, you know, you're going into the North London derby next week. You want to come back from an international break and regain the momentum that we'd earned or won, you know, by beating Manchester United in the dramatic fashion that we did just before the break. So you want to pick up off the back of that. And we managed to do it. And now, you know, hopefully we can continue it and go on a little bit of a run. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can do Spurs at Emirates Stadium next week. You know, they'll be buzzing after the result that they got this weekend. But, you know, I'm confident that we can, um, you know, we can beat them in front of our home fans. And listen, we talk a lot about mentality over the years when Arsenal was struggling. That was the first thing we all point to, wasn't it? Loser mentality, not a good enough mentality. This team are, are mentally fragile, mentally weak, etc., etc. The mentality that they have at the moment, though, is totally different because they are, for me, you know, well aware of the fact that, you know, sometimes they're going to have to be patient. Sometimes they're going to have to just keep plugging away. And I think they believe in and have confidence in the quality that they now have within their ranks to to find someone on any given day to provide that magical moment and provide that spark that you need to win football matches. And when you've got that kind of belief, it's a really, really powerful thing. And you're seeing that more and more because more and more under Mikel Arteta, Arsenal are winning games that probably on the balance of play, you'd argue they deserve to win in terms of chances and in terms of possession, but they're games that historically they wouldn't have got over the line in. And we're able to do that now, which is a sign of not just progress in terms of all the technical aspects, but the mental ones too. So um, I'm really, really pleased with um, with what I'm seeing. Um, in terms of key incidents, there wasn't really that many, was there? You know, the game wasn't the greatest game. You have to say that. Uh, the disallowed goal we've, we've spoken about. And then, of course, uh, Leandro Trossard's goal being the other real big moment in the game. What I'm going to do, which is why I've kept the, the player names up and I've not put numbers in the little circles, is we're going to do some player ratings. Um, I thought that would be interesting. We used to do it uh, as part of our members podcast. Um, we're not going to do that anymore. And what we're going to do is just do more in-depth um, Q&A pods for our members and various other sort of ad hoc bits as we go along. And the reason was, like speaking to some of you guys, you'll know that I'm at a lot of the games working and I've always had difficulty getting those podcasts, those player ratings podcasts recorded and out quickly enough for it to be worth your while. But also um, I've struggled to do them in enough depth because I'm always under such time constraints. You know, you finish a game, it's not just the game done. You've got to go do the radio interview and you've got to make sure you get there before the manager, otherwise you miss the interview slot. You've got to get in the press conference and then whatever other bits of work you've got to do to round up the game. 
um, you know, they can get in the way. So rather than half ask something that you're paying for, um, I figured we'd do those more in-depth episodes. Got some amazing feedback on the one that we did on Friday. We'll be dropping those every Friday now. So um, go to the link in the description if you're interested in becoming a member and supporting the podcast. Um, it really, really does help. And um, and you will get access to that additional content. As I say, the link is in the description. Visit the Another Slice platform and sign up if you want to. It's not compulsory, obviously, um, but your support, if you do sign up, uh, and if you have signed up, is obviously very, very appreciated. But anyway, let's do some player ratings here then. Uh, David Raya, what should we give him for his first Arsenal display? I'm going to give him a seven because he didn't put a foot wrong. Now, granted, he'll have more difficult afternoons than that. Um, in fact, he will certainly have more difficult afternoons than that. But I thought, generally speaking, he did what he had to with with comfort, um, with uh, calmness, and um, and I think he's a, a great addition. Um, maybe a six is more fair because of how little he had to do, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and give him a seven. Uh, ben White, I'm going to give him a seven as well. Um, I didn't think he was particularly um, under any strain at any real point defensively. I thought he... He held his own. He did well. Um, you know, Everton tried to make it a physical battle at times, but because of the lack of threat from Sean Dyche's side, it's difficult to really give our defenders super high ratings, in my opinion. If we move across uh, into the centre of the defence, I'm going to give William Saliba a seven as well for the same reasons. Um, did what he had to relatively well, but the truth is that we were so far superior to Everton and there was very little threat. There's no reason... Um, to give him any more than that. And I'm going to give Gabriel the same. I know this sounds boring, but those are genuinely my ratings at the moment. Look, they, they kept the clean sheet between them. So, you know, maybe it isn't um, generous giving him a seven. Zinchenko, I'm going to give him a slightly higher rating. I'm going to give him an eight. You might think that that's a little bit over the top, but I thought Alexander Zinchenko did a cracking job of tucking in here and helping out Declan Rice when he needed to, but also being back in his position when he needed to be. His position out of possession, obviously. I thought that towards the end of the game, just before he got taken off, he started to look a little bit leggy, and that's why Mikel took him off, and it was the right decision to do that at that time. But generally speaking, I thought he was so assured in possession, so good on the ball, helped us break the lines as he does um, you know, so often also made sure that he was close enough to Declan Rice in certain situations to make sure that he wasn't exposed by the fact that he had two very attack-minded players ahead of him. And um, and yeah, Zinni was was the leader that we know he is. That's why he gets a slightly um, higher rating for me than the other three defenders. Damien Hill says Zinchenko gave the ball away far too much. No way is he an eight. I, I don't recall him giving the ball away that many times. And, and the truth is, when you're trying to progress the ball, you are going to give it away more than a centre-back who plays passes left and right and square and, and doesn't try and progress the ball. So I always think players are slightly unfairly judged um, on that particular metric. Declan Rice, for me, is going to get an eight and a half. Um, absolute beast. I don't think you can see that the 8.5 in there. Um, can you see it if I do that? No, I can't put that. All right, let me put 8.5. It means... 8.5. There you go. Eight and a half for Declan Rice. Um, because I thought in the first half, especially, my God, he was a beast, an absolute beast. There were a few occasions where um, Everton, as I say, tried to break away. And he just, A, had the the sort of reading of the game 
and the foresight to get back and shut doors, but also the physicality to do that. Those long, big strides to get into those positions. And then he had the power to go into some of those tra- challenges um, and uh, and win the ball back for us against the, a very physical midfield. Listen, you can only play with a Vieira and Odegaard in your team if you've got a strong base. And Declan Rice is exactly that. Odegaard gets seven for me. Um, didn't think he was outstanding today. Should have scored. Um, but obviously, as you, I always say with Odegaard, you get the work rate, you get the effort um, and all the rest of it. So unfair to give him less than that. I'm going to give Vieira the same as well. Seven seems to be the, the common thing here. Um, Saka, I was a little bit underwhelmed by Saka today. Um, I have been quite a bit this season, actually, um, a lot of the time. I, I think it's difficult for him because I think that people know what he's about now and people pay extra attention to him and that makes him more difficult. But he gets a seven for me. Um, Martinelli would have got, had he had that goal stood, he would have got an eight. I'm going to give him a 7.5 because um, I thought that Martinelli was was a real threat down that left-hand side before he went off. And as I mentioned earlier on when we were talking, I thought that when he went off, we just lost a bit of our threat in behind um, and we lost a little bit of our our threat down that left-hand side as a result. Between Martinelli coming off and half-time, I don't think we were effective down that left-hand side enough. Um, and that was because we no longer had a player that was going to play on the shoulder and get him behind at every opportunity. Um, Eddie and Ketia for me, I'm going to give him a six. I thought he was I thought he was one of the players with the least amount of touches on the ball in the game. Um, isolated up there at times on his own. But the difference between Eddie... And, and Jesus is that when we don't get the ball into him or or when we're up against a side like this, Jesus still finds a way to get involved in the game and impact the game and pull people apart and cause people problems. Eddie does it sometimes against this type of opposition, but not every time. And that's the difference for me between the two of them. You know, Eddie's had some great performances and will continue to have good performances, I'm sure, because he's a good player. But today he wasn't at the races. If he's had one of the least amount of touches on the ball, that probably tells you that we're not working it into him enough either. But that could be partly down to the runs that he makes, the movement, et cetera, et cetera. I just think had Jesus been in his position today, I don't think we have that problem with regards to Eddie or our centre forward, if you like, being on the periphery of the game. So I'm going to give Eddie a six. Those are my player ratings for the starting 11. I'm going to rate some of the subs as well. Leandro Trossard. As I say, I didn't think he was great, actually, apart from the goal. But I'm going to give him an eight because that goal was a cracking goal and it was the match winner. Uh, Jesus came on for a little bit, uh, as did Tommy Asu and Havertz. Jesus um, can have a seven from me. Um, Havertz can have a six from me. And Tommy Asu can have a six and a half for coming on and just helping us see out the game, bringing that bit of physicality and that defensive uh, now that, uh, unfortunately, as good a footballer as he is, Alexander Zinchenko just doesn't have. Right, let's take some of your questions um, from the live chat. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys, uh, so please do get involved. We'll take a few of your questions uh, before we wrap up this episode. Remember, we'll be back again with another episode tomorrow, and every day throughout the week, we'll be bringing you um, an episode around our Champions League game against uh, PSV Eindhoven. We'll be previewing that game. Uh, we'll also bring you the the post-match show uh, to that one as well. I'm going to figure out where I'm going to do that. I'm going to see if possible, and I don't know if it's possible, but I might be able to do it from the Emirates Stadium straight after the game. 
Um, but it would mean me having to skip the press conference, which I have to check if I'm allowed to do, basically. But I'll keep you posted. Otherwise, um, we might have to do that one on Thursday morning because I won't get home until some ungodly hour. Um, get your questions in. As I say, uh, I'll work my way through as many of those as I can. Let's just quickly check in on the likes. 100 likes on the board, but given how many of you are watching, come on, guys, let's get up to a couple of hundred likes. That should be light work. Um, it, it really, really should. And also subscribe if you haven't done so already. That really, really does help. I can't tell you how much that helps. Uh, so please subscribe and, um, and yeah, uh, all the rest of it. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Let me um, have a quick look. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Um, Temi says, uh, we haven't seen how Raya will perform um, after a head tossing North London forever. Let's not write off Ramsdale yet. Thoughts? No, I'm not writing off Aaron Ramsdale. I think that um, that, that we're fine um, the way we are. I don't, I don't think Aaron Ramsdale is going to be upset that he didn't start today. Obviously, it's going to be a bit of a surprise to him because... He has been the man in goal for Arsenal. He has been the one. He's been the number one ever since he joined the club, pretty much, barring a, a few weeks. Like, But at the end of the day, he knew this was going to be a possibility when David Raya came in through the door. He knew that there was going to be competition. And by all accounts, David Raya has trained exceptionally well and deserves a chance too. As I said, there's plenty of football. And I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Ramsdale's back in the side for the Champions League game on Wednesday. So there's no reason for us to write off Aaron Ramsdale. There's no reason to create a narrative, a negative narrative around Mikel's decision to change goalkeepers. We knew what it was when Raya come in. We've been told all along. It's been clear all along. Let people outside of Arsenal Football Club, who definitely will because they've got nothing else to talk about, with us when we're winning, they want to find something to tear us down with. They are going to make a big deal out of this. They're going to make a meal out of this situation. I guarantee you, you'll turn on your radio tomorrow. Breakfast radio will be talking about what this means for Aaron Ramsdale. Is David Raya the number one now? And Aaron Ramsdale needs to find another club, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. If that noise is going to come from the outside, let it come. Internally, forget that shit. We don't need to talk about it because it isn't a thing at this stage. You know, if if David Raya plays the next 15 games and Aaron Ramsdale doesn't get a look in, then maybe we'll talk about it. Um, but at this stage, no, um, not an issue. Don't need to make more noise around it. The the critics, the the haters, if you like, will do that. Um, we don't need to do that um, because as far as I'm concerned, it's not a thing. Trini Guna says, uh, rotate on Wednesday and go full strength at the North London Derby on the weekend or vice versa. Um it's pretty early in the season, so I wouldn't feel like I needed to choose one or the other. Um, I'd probably make a couple of changes on Wednesday. So I'd probably bring, for example, Kai Havertz into the side. I think I'd probably bring, well, I think Leandro Trossard's probably going to play because Martinelli uh, doesn't look like he's going to be fit, judging by what I could see of that injury today. Obviously, no confirmation at this stage. Um, can't really afford to change it in, in Rice's position. Odegaard needs to play for me. Um, you know, maybe you see Kivio coming at centre-back, maybe White Guard, maybe Tommy Asu comes in. I don't know, but I think that Mikel Arteta will, if he does have to make a few changes because of the fitness and the, the condition of players, I think we'll prefer to make those changes at home to PSV than in the North London derby because that's not a game you can afford to lose, is it, really? Um, Angel Hernandez says, would you bench Saka for a game or two? I'm sure he could be a great impact sub. If he's fit, 
as Mikel Arteta tells us, and there isn't any concern about this injury problem that we kept hearing about during the international break, then no, I wouldn't actually, because he is a match winner. He is somebody that can win you games and, and we're going to need that because at times, you know, we're not going to be free flowing and at times we're not going to be at our best. And when you've got quality on the pitch, you always stand a chance um, of winning football matches and he's one of our best players. So for me, um, I'd keep him in. Uh, Paritosh says, thoughts on Arteta's interview? I haven't actually seen it because um, I went live on another stream for work as soon as the game ended. Um, I haven't actually sat and watched it back yet. I've recorded all of that and I'm going to sit and watch that after. And we can talk about that on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. Um, Richie says, who would you start up front on Wednesday? If Jesus is fit enough, I'd probably start him because he needs the minutes. Having said that, if that then reduces his chances of starting against Spurs at the weekend, then I wouldn't. And I'd play Enketia and I'd save Jesus for the North London derby. Maybe they can have, one can have 60 minutes, one can have 30, maybe 70, 20. I don't know how how that'll be worked out. But at this moment in time, I, I definitely want to see Jesus start the North London derby. So whatever steps need to be taken in order to facilitate that um, is the way I'd go. Uh, Mohammed says, do you think we should create more clear-cut chances based on our domination um, and possession of the ball? We did not create enough clear-cut chances, especially in the first half. Uh, thoughts? Yeah. Um, chance creation is something that we need to get better at and is something that we were doing a lot better last season. I don't know how much of that is down to us not being at the same level and how much of that is down to people paying us way more respect now because of what we managed to do last season. And as a result, sitting that bit deeper, therefore making it tough for us to break them down. Listen, Premier League sides are good sides with top international players at every single club. And if they decide to sit behind the ball and try and soak up pressure and make your life difficult, a lot of the time they'll be able to do that. And then your quality has to come through at some point or another. You only need a moment to win a football match. As long as you defend well and you don't make silly mistakes, you can get by on those moments of individual brilliance. We saw a moment of collective brilliance today from the team to pull Everton apart with that corner routine. And then a bit of individual brilliance from Leandro Trossard to find that far post. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something that we can be aiming to do better at. But I think there are factors at play here that go beyond Arsenal's simple ability to create chances, i.e. I think teams approach games against us now in a different way and, and show us more respect. Stephen Richards, going back to the goalkeeper thing, uh, rotating two number one keepers, is it genius or a problem that didn't need, or is it solving a problem um, that didn't need solving? Uh, um, look, I, I've, I've mentioned it already. Like, I, I think it's something that we're going to have to just sit back and, and I guess judge as we go because clearly the the coaching staff and the manager have an idea of how this is going to work. We, anything we say is speculating. You know, we, we thought that maybe Raya would get the cup games and Ramsdale would have the league games. Ramsdale's been left out for a league game. Raya's come in. Does Ramsdale now come in for a, a Champions League game? We don't know. Um, I think Arteta wants to base it on form. The, the key thing is here and the key point here, which we've kind of already touched on, but I'll just quickly say it again. The key thing here is, is the fact that he trusts both of them. And when you trust both of them, that gives you options. And it means that in Arteta's eyes, no, neither of them are a downgrade on the other. 
which is obviously a positive thing. So he's going to pick who's on form. He's going to pick who looks sharpest. He's going to pick potentially dependent on the game. Like I think, for example, aerially, and I haven't seen as much of David Raya, so maybe this is wrong, but my initial impression, and, and feel free to shoot me down in the comments if you think differently. I think Aaron Ramsdale is a more dominating goalkeeper aerially than David Raya is. I think David Raya is a better shot stopper when you look at the the sort of XG of goals prevented and all the rest of it. I think Ramsdale is just as good as playing the ball out from the back, but Raya has that more direct pass um, that he was very successful with at Brentford. So I think a lot of it will be based on the opponent as well. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's the criteria with regards to who gets selected in goal um, more than anything else. Um, Let's take this one from um, Sooty FM. Hope you're good, man. Hope you're well. He says, three big games this week. We've won the first. Your prediction uh, for the others. We win them both. Um, I think we beat PSV at home under the lights at Emirates. Big occasion. Champions League football returning to the carpet. And then I think we win the North London derby because it's a fixture, with the exception of last season on Spurs' behalf, tends to go with the home side. I'm always confident against them at Emirates Stadium. I know they're playing with confidence, but they haven't faced anything like this yet. The atmosphere they're going to face, the quality of the side they're going to face is incomparable to what they've played against so far this season. Um, Mohamed Ramadan says, hey, Harry, hope you're well, brother. Um, he says, what did you think of us today starting without habits? I thought we were a lot more dynamic and the forward line was more in sync with the midfield. Um, uh, yeah, as I say, I, I thought Vieira did well. Uh, it was difficult to judge Vieira fully today because at times he had to move out into that wider position after Martinelli um, went off. So, you know, we know that that's not his best position. We know he wants to play more in field. Yeah, look, we played well in that sense today in that the, the link up seemed better. The cohesion was clearly there that maybe hasn't always been there with Kai Havertz in the side. One thing I've always said about Havertz is I want to judge him when Jesus is playing centre forward rather than Nketiah, because I think the link up with Jesus could be something that's really interesting. Um, but, you know, it hasn't worked for Havertz in the last couple of games. And and I can understand why Mikel made the change today. I, I think the, the decision to make the change today was as much on the fact that Vieira has been doing well when he's been coming on as it is on Kai Havertz, maybe not doing what's required. Or, or not being at the level that we expect and, and hope he'll reach. So I think it's a bit of both there. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Kai Havertz needs a goal. He needs a liftoff in his Arsenal career. That's what he needs because he's a confidence player. And I guarantee you, you know, the minute he gets that goal, he'll be standing taller. He'll not that he can get much taller than Kai Havertz, but he'll be standing taller. He'll have a swag about him. Um, he'll have a spring in his step. If that goal comes off the bench, then so be it. You know, like maybe actually him not being in the starting lineup just reduces that pressure on him to to get that goal and to get himself going. If he's in the starting lineup every week, every performance is going to come under the microscope. It does anyway, but even more so when you're in the starting 11. So I think um yeah, I I, I think we'll um we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh some of you disagreeing with me on Raya um aerially um some uh, Don Saki says, not true. Raya picks the ball out of the air with ease. Ramsdale is always a little panicky. Um, I mean, Ramsdale can be panicky. Raya can be panicky as well. I think both of them can be at times because it's the style of goalkeeper that they are. Playing the ball out with their feet, 
Um, you know, they're not Peter Schmeichels and David Siemens, are they, in terms of how they carry themselves? It's a different thing. But yeah, I, th I think what I said earlier still stands for me and that a lot of it will be down to the opposition. Both of them um, have plenty of strengths. Both of them have a couple of weaknesses. And I think Mikel Arteta will look to apply the goalkeeper with the right or apply the right strengths in the right games. And that will determine who plays. Um, let me uh, let me take one more, I think, before we uh, before we disappear. Um, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video, guys. Um, let's get up to 200 likes. That should be easy. That should be light, light work. Um, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, you know the drill by now. Check out the Another Slice platform if you want access to our premium content. Um, I say premium. It's another episode um, made up entirely of your questions per week. Um, and we loads of you enjoyed this week's one. I was really, you know what? I got a few messages from members after we dropped that episode. And I was so pleased because I felt like it was a better one um, in terms of our members pods. And, and I thought it was a really good one because of the fact that the questions that were coming in from you guys were brilliant. And um, yeah, and I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. Um, Creambone says, what do you think this result does for the mentality of this squad going forward? Listen, winning breeds confidence. Simple as that. Everybody will know that Arsenal can perform to a better level than that. Everybody will know that Arsenal weren't at the best. But the confidence you pick up from winning when you're not playing well, um, it is massive. It really, really is. Uh, Richie Tuff says, uh, after five games, what player do you think has performed the best along um, with the player that has been the most underwhelming? Overall, I think our best player has probably been Martin Odegaard this season. Um, in terms of underwhelming, I think Saka has been a bit underwhelming. I, underwhelming is probably the wrong word, but he's not been at the level that we know he can be. And I don't think Martinelli has for the most part either. Um, obviously, Kai Havertz is is one for that as well. Um, but yeah, let's see. Right. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. Really, really do appreciate it. Remember, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. A big win for Arsenal up at Goodison Park, ending that hoodoo on Merseyside, on the blue half of Merseyside, where we have struggled for the best part of six years now. And we got out of there today with all three points, thanks to a brilliant goal from Leandro Trossard. We take it. We move on. Champions League on Wednesday. Um, the, the anthem will be ringing around the carpet once again. I can't wait for that. And then all attention turns to the North London Derby. So a jam-packed week coming up. Lots of content coming your way. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so already. Leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. And I will see you all on Monday with another episode. Until then, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.